Welcome on in. It is time to recap and react to week nine in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Wasn't a great week nine, but it was a solid week nine. And we are uh, bringing this to you on Facebook Live, of course, on the podcast. We hope you leave a rating and a review because that's where you can get an awesome Heartland College Sports koozie for free when you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm recording this on Zoom. I'm sorry to the YouTube crowd. We've had some tech issues the last couple of weeks with Facebook Live. So for those of you on the YouTube channel, I apologize for the last couple of weeks. Hopefully this is a workaround that will work for us going forward. Uh, We're going to take these games in order as we do each and every week, and start off with Baylor and Texas. The Baylor Bears picking up a 31-24 win, and it's Halloween, so I already have my Halloween beer out here. I've got, in honor of our guy Derek Duke, Shiner, Texas guy, I've got a Shiner Oktoberfest I'm sharing with you here on Facebook Live and on YouTube as well. You can see it there. So I got the Shiner Oktoberfest. It's high noon here in Kansas City, so I figured on Halloween – why not? My wife said uh, she could tell I was stressed out today. So she said, go down, do your show, and grab a beer. I said, you do not have to tell me that twice. All right? We're, we're on the same page. So we're rocking. We're rolling. Let's go to Baylor, Texas. We'll start there. Uh, Baylor comes back to win this game 31-24. Texas blows a lead for a third straight game. And not just any lead, but Texas blew a double-digit lead again. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And then the bye week, the bye week, they blow it again against uh, against Baylor coming out of the bye week. I mean, it, absolutely horrible, horrible what happened to uh, the Texas Longhorns over the weekend. But they did it to themselves. The Texas Longhorns did it to themselves once again. I mean, I don't know how, how many ways Steve Sarkeesian can figure out how to lose a game, but he keeps figuring it out amazingly. And here's the thing. I mean, this was stunning when I looked up this uh, data point yesterday. But Texas has not lost three straight Big 12 games. It's been 2016, five years. Charlie Strong, that was the last time that Texas lost three straight conference games. That puts it into some perspective for you here based on, you know, how unprecedented this is. For all the woes of Tom Herman, Tom Herman never lost three straight Big 12 games. Never has. Never did. Steve Sarkeesian did it in his first season. And at the end of the game, this was stunning to me. Greg McElroy's calling the game for ABC. And he goes, boy, this Texas team is close. I'm like, excuse me? Close to what? Close to blowing another game? Like, I, I know that's got to be the ESPN-ABC point here. I, I kind of get it, I guess, because, you know, Texas is going to be playing in the SEC here pretty soon. But and, and even if you're a Texas fan, this is not me ribbing on Texas. What is Texas close to? I mean, how many? It's been a decade of saying Texas is close. And I'm supposed to buy Greg McElroy saying Texas is close? To What? I mean, I couldn't believe it when I was hearing him say that. I was like, this can't be real. This cannot be real. But, but that's how Greg McElroy ended this game for ABC. I was stunned. 
But let's give Baylor credit. I mean, you guys want to rip on me for Baylor for, for continuing to pick against Baylor. That's fine. But you know what? Every time I'm on the wrong side of Baylor, they win. So if you're a Baylor fan, you should want me to keep picking against your team because I keep picking against them. They keep winning. It's working out great for everybody here. You know, you guys, I mean, it's not working out great for my picks, but it's working out great for you guys. Jared writes on Facebook Live, the only thing Texas is close to is leaving the Big 12. That is a very good point there, Jared. Very good point. Um, but, you know, there, there's just uh, – Baylor continues to impress me, and I continue to be wrong about him. Abram Smith is a stud, an absolute stud at running back. To think that this guy was a linebacker a year ago is stunning to me because of how impressive he has been at the running back position. I, I just love watching him. Uh, he's just a hard runner. That game-winning touchdown or the go-ahead, whatever it was, the game-clinching touchdown, if you want to call it that, was just a man's run. Texas couldn't stop him. B.J. Foster had no chance. And now Baylor's sitting there in a great position. They'll be in the top 15, and they will be very much a threat to win the Big 12 Conference. It's really down to a three-horse race in many ways. It's it's Oklahoma State, it's Iowa State, and it's, uh, excuse me, it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. And if you want to say Iowa State, maybe we can have that conversation. But after their loss to West Virginia, not looking too hot for the Cyclones right now. But uh, Texas blowing a third straight double-digit lead is the story of this game. And then Baylor continuing to exceed expectations, outscoring Texas 14-3 to in the fourth quarter and locking them down when they needed to. And by the way, they kept Bijan Robinson in check. He had 17 carries for 40-some-on yards. Who has done that this season? Nobody's done it. So this defense under Dave Aranda is looking so darn good, and it's been so much fun to watch. And, uh, you know, hats off to the Baylor Bears. You guys are, are, are rolling it right now, and it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch this Baylor team improve to 7-1 and this season. Next up, Iowa State going on the road and losing to West Virginia, 38-31. to Now, if you are a fan of the Iowa State Cyclones, I get why you're ticked off. You've got every right to be ticked off because the officiating was terrible. Now, there's this kind of taboo school of thought. I, I heard, or I think I saw a tweet from Chris Williams at uh, Cyclone Fanatic. Any, any... I'm paraphrasing here, but he went on to say, you know, this is ridiculous. When, when people say, oh, don't talk about the officiating, it's not about the officiating. It's not always about the officiating. People use the officiating as an excuse for how their team played. There is a little bit of truth to that. There's a little bit of truth to that. But bad calls can screw you over. All right, in the Big 12, in college football, where games are decided by a play here or a play there, especially in the Big 12, a bad call can screw you over. The most obvious one to me, uh, well, there's, there's two that really stand out. I mean, the fumble by Brees Hall, that was not a fumble. His elbow was down. I mean, that was clear as day. How the official who's furthest away from the football overrules the other two officials, I will never understand. Uh, just a terrible, terrible call. Um, either he's down, Brees Hall is down, or it's a touchdown. It's not a fumble. And then uh, the delay of game that was not called on a big West Virginia score. Uh, I mean, and there were a couple others as well. Was a foot really in on that on that one West Virginia touchdown? Didn't look like it. It wasn't. I mean, the officiating was terrible. 
abs- it, it's embarrassing. I wouldn't have had that crew coach a peewee league game. That's how bad they were. Now, did Iowa State look hungover after that win against Oklahoma State last weekend? Sure. Did they play their best football? No. Does West Virginia deserve credit for playing better the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. And we can get to that. But the officiating was terrible. The Big 12 should be embarrassed that they've got that crew out there. And we're supposed to believe that that's, you know, a a competent Big 12 officiating crew because it was not. They had a horrible day. Absolutely horrible day. And there's no nice way to spin it. Um, And, you know, it may have in some ways decided the Big 12 race. We will never know, but it could have. But I will say as well, kudos to West Virginia. I mean, Neil Brown, this team was two and four going into games against TCU and Iowa State. If you would have asked me what the record would have been for West Virginia a couple of weeks ago after these two games, I would have said two and six. I thought they would have lost to TCU by a you know, field goal. And then I would have thought they would have lost to Iowa State by probably 10 to 14 points. They won both games. The offensive line is the reason that suddenly Jarrett Dagey looks like a competent Power 5 quarterback, which he does all of a sudden. The running game is looking better. I mean, this is a team that was averaging like 90 rushing yards per game, I think it was. It was not good. They had 120-some-odd yesterday, and that's against one of the best run defenses in America in Iowa State. Now, Mike Rose was out, and that obviously impacted this game, not having your uh, stud former Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year linebacker. That's obviously a big deal, but still. Iowa State's got a great defense, and West Virginia put up points. I mean, geez, you know, they won the game 38-31. So the Mountaineers deserve credit for their improvement, but that doesn't mean we can simply overlook how terrible, absolutely terrible, the the officiating was in this game because it was genuinely that bad, really that bad. All right, so there's your rundown of that game. Let me, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a break, take a sip of this shiner here. Shiner Oktoberfest, for those of you on Facebook Live and YouTube. Hang on. It's high noon. It's Halloween. Cut us some slack, all right? Got the two kids ready to trick-or-treat later. Life is good. All right. (coughs) Excuse me. What's... (coughs) Oh, jeez. Went down down the wrong... (coughs) That's what I get (coughs) for trying to talk in the middle of it. All right, next up. Kansas State beating TCU 31-12. to So uh, it's amazing what a couple of games will do, right? It's amazing what a couple of games will do for Kansas State and that fan base. Like, this is what I said two weeks ago about Kansas State. You had played three games that you were expected to lose. You played Iowa State and the Oklahoma schools. That was a front-loaded schedule. You were expected to lose those games. You were underdogs in those games. All right? So... Let's not overreact because I know you get off to the 3-0 and start in non-conference play, but then you lose three straight Big 12 games that you were expected to lose. Kansas State now is getting healthier, by the way. That's playing a big difference in this, um, in this team, and they're playing some easier competition as well, which helps. I mean, they dominated TCU yesterday. And if you're a Kansas State fan, you've got to be sitting there and saying to yourself, okay, we came back against Texas Tech. That was not a complete game. This was a complete game yesterday. This was as complete of a game as you can say Kansas State has played since Stanford. 
I mean, that's how good this game was for the Kansas State Wildcats. They, they have every reason, the fan base has every reason to believe, especially at 5-3, and three, that this team is going to be bowl eligible after this weekend against Kansas. They'll be sitting there at 6-3, and three, and you'll be saying, you know, how many, how many wins can we pull off by the end of the season? I mean, let's just take a quick look at the schedule here for Kansas State. You got Kansas this weekend. You got West Virginia, Baylor, and Texas. It's not, it's not crazy to say Kansas State goes three and one down the stretch and is an eight and four team. And who's not taking eight and four if you're a Kansas State fan? I mean, that that's like to me, what Kansas State football is is seven and five, eight and four. And then you hope that once every three, four years, let's say every four years, once every recruiting cycle, you are competing for a Big 12 championship. Like, I think those are reasonable expectations for what Kansas State football should be year in, year out. Seven and five, eight and four, pop it every four years, compete for a Big 12 title. And, you know, I'm hearing and seeing some of your comments now on Facebook Live that, you know, you'd be happy with eight and four. You should be happy. I mean, that'd be a great season, eight and four. Be very pleased with that based on what this team is and what they brought back and who they've got and everything else. And, you know, you think you got another year of Deuce Vaughn? Then, of course, he's going to be up to the NFL. But um, if you can figure out your wide receivers as well, then things are really going to start looking up for the Kansas State Wildcats under Chris Kleiman. So all that stuff ripping Chris Kleiman a couple of weeks ago, I know people aren't happy necessarily with the coordinators. That's fair. Um, but let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit on Kansas State football because they're getting back on track and they dominated this game yesterday um, and had a really, really good afternoon. Really good afternoon. All right. Um, now for TCU, I don't know if you saw this, but Bruce Feldman reported on Fox Sports on Saturday that this could be it for Gary Patterson in Fort Worth. Not that he would get fired. I mean, you're not going to fire a guy that you built a statue of outside the stadium. But that he could retire is how Bruce Feldman put it. Now, the way TCU is playing is terrible. They are 1-4 in in the Big 12. They are heading for a fourth straight mediocre season. You think about TCU. This is a team that from 2014 to 2017 went 12-1, 11-2, 6-7, 11-3. But if you look at what they've done since the 2018 season, they are 21-22 overall, and they are 13-19 in the Big 12 over the past now four seasons. Um. It's not good. I mean, I don't care if you got a statue outside of there, but it's not good. And as I've noted many times on this show, they have recruited as the third best program in the Big 12. Now, Gary Patterson responded to this report in a semi-sarcastic way after the game, saying, did it look like I was not trying to coach? I mean, he's, he didn't answer it. But, uh, you know, is that inconceivable to me that Gary Patterson ends up retiring at the end of the year? Now, this came up because Bruce Feldman was talking about Texas Tech openings, and he said Jeff Trailer at UTSA and Sonny Dykes are the front runners. But he said Sonny Dykes at SMU could end up being a contender for the TCU job if, as he is hearing, Gary Patterson retires at the end of this season. Now, if Gary Patterson does retire at the end of the season, Sonny Dykes is an obvious guy to you know take over for him. But like that would not shock me. 
with the way things are going for TCU. I don't know if Gary Patterson likes this whole new world uh, name image likeness deal. He's ripped it before. He's not a huge fan of it. Like, I, I just don't know if this is really the, 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 um, the college football atmosphere or the new college football world that Gary Patterson wants to be a part of. You combine that with the lack of success on the field going on four seasons now, and these are not unreasonable conversations to have by any stretch of the imagination. So that's where this is at right now with Gary Patterson. We'll see. I mean, I, you know, TCU is one in four in the Big 12. And if you look at their schedule, uh, it's, I mean, two and seven seems very likely. They have Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Iowa State. Tell me which one of those games they're winning outside of Kansas. I mean, if TCU goes two and seven in the Big 12, that would be really, really disappointing. For Gary Patterson, really disappointing. So that's where things were at on uh, uh, the TCU front after they got smoked by Kansas State yesterday. Then it's Oklahoma and Texas Tech. The Sooners steamrolling Texas Tech 52-21 to in this game. And I'll tell you what, uh, they could not stop Caleb Williams. They, 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 they had no chance to stop Caleb Williams in this game yesterday, the Texas Tech defense. And this guy, he went into elite company. If you here's a here's a stat for you. All right, you want to talk about elite company? How about this for Caleb Williams? This guy is. Uh, let me let me just get it for you here, so I make sure I I say it right. I don't want to give you a paraphrased version of this elite company, but it's it's Caleb Williams, Baker Mayfield, and Kyler Murray. The only Oklahoma quarterbacks with six passing touchdowns and zero interceptions in a single game. That's how good this dude was yesterday, and that's how bad the Texas Tech pass defense was yesterday as well. Um, Oklahoma only, uh, they only had 72 total rushing yards. That's not because they couldn't run the ball. That's because they were having such success passing the ball. The Sooners threw for 469 yards in this game. Uh, It was 28-7 28-7 at halftime. They steamrolled their way to a victory. And, you know, obviously coming off that Kansas game last week, they needed to have a big performance, especially ahead of the first college football playoff rankings that are coming up on Tuesday. But I didn't expect this kind of domination. I thought Tech could hang in there and lose by two to three touchdowns. It was not close, not even close to that on Saturday. Uh, it was just pure domination by the Oklahoma offense, especially, and the defense started to uh, get its act together as well in a way that it had not over the last few weeks. But I'll tell you, you know who's going to be playing on Sundays for Texas Tech? Eric Ezukanma, that wide receiver. Boy, that first touchdown grab that he had, I mean, he had 120 receiving yards on the day. He is a stud. He is a stud. It's a darn shame that Tech doesn't have much around him to work with, but that guy is fun to watch, and they finally got him the ball in a way that they have not been able to over the last few weeks. So he was fun to watch, but um, outside of that, there was not much cooking for Texas Tech in this game. Now, uh, for Oklahoma, they're 9-0, and and I know like Sooner fans are probably sitting there stunned that this team is 9-0, and but hey, take it, run with it, don't complain, uh, don't apologize and just ride this thing through. But have you seen a more topsy-turvy 9-0 team than this Oklahoma Sooners team this year? I, I haven't. I, I mean, you could pick, obviously not yesterday, but you could find 
three to four games easy that OU should have lost this year. And they're sitting there at 9-0. Uh, it's unbelievable. Now, for Texas Tech, you know, at head coach, what are you going to do? Sonny Cumbie's the interim coach. There's been some thought that maybe Sonny Cumbie had a chance to be the head coach. I'm not buying it, especially after yesterday. Now, if he had pulled off an upset against OU, he's got a shot because there are some very influential people, per some reporting that's been done, Jerry Johnson inside the Red Raiders had it. Some influential people inside of Texas Tech who want Sonny Cumbie to be a contender for this job. If he had beaten Oklahoma or if he played him to, I don't know, a field goal, maybe you have a conversation. I mean, the guy got completely blown out yesterday. Completely blown out. It was not close. So I, I, I don't see how Sonny Cumbie's a legitimate contender for this job. I know Tech likes having Tech guys, but... You know, that's I, that's why I even think you hire Sonny Dykes because you think he's the best coach, not because his dad is Spike. You don't hire Sonny Cumbie because he played quarterback there. You hire him because you think he's the best coach. Like, I think that Tech has made that mistake in the past, and they should not make that mistake again on this hire. I would not make that mistake if I was Kirby Hocutt in this spot. So that game was a... Um, that game was just pure domination. And before we get to the final game, let me remind you that this show is brought to you by MyBookie.com, where with our promo code, which is Big12, you get a 100% sign-up bonus on your first deposit. What does that mean? That means you deposit 100 200 bucks, You get $100 to $200 for free, for free, when you use our promo code BIG12 at mybookie.com. They take care of their Heartland College sports listeners and followers and viewers with this exclusive promo code you can't miss out on, you do not want to miss out on, and uh, we will see, of course, how that plays out going forward because we want you to be on board with us and our picks, and they are a very important sponsor for us. So please, if you haven't gotten online with a bookie yet, use mybookie.com, and our promo code will double your money right out of the gates. Chris on Facebook Live. will be interesting to see if Dana Holgerson tosses his name into the ring for the Texas Tech job. I don't believe he will. Now that Houston's coming to the Big 12, I, I think that he believes Houston's a better place to recruit to. Uh, he's buddies there with the, uh, uh, what's his name, the big shot booster at Houston. Tillman Fertitta, I mean, they're boys. So he's safe there at Houston for a while. He knows he's safe there at Houston for a while. He's not going to go to Texas Tech and get himself blown out in three years because he's not winning games. So I don't think Dana's going to go out there. I think Dana's going to stay in Houston for a while, especially now that they're coming to the Big 12. If they weren't, different conversation maybe. But I still believe that um, he took that job because of Tillman Fertitta, and he's there for, for the long haul. The last game in the Big 12, there's not a lot to say. It was Oklahoma State dominating Kansas 55 to three, you know, I thought, but by the way, please do throw your questions or comments in the Facebook live. I'm trying to read them as fast as I can and, and trying to catch up with them as best I can. But any comments, questions from week nine in the big 12, toss them in there right now. Uh, Oklahoma state obviously rolled to a victory. Not much to say. I don't think Kansas had a first down until the third quarter. If I have that right. So 534 total yards, to only 143 for Kansas. Kansas was hungover after nearly pulling off an upset against Oklahoma last week. I thought they could maintain it. I was obviously wrong. Not that I thought they 
you know, being a game, but I thought they could cover the 31 points. That was a bad bet uh, yesterday. So hopefully you didn't follow me on that one. But either way, um, Oklahoma State rolled to a victory. The Cowboys are 7-1. and one. And doesn't this feel like the year for Oklahoma State to finally get itself to a Big 12 title game and compete for a Big 12 championship? It just feels like that year for so many reasons. The defense, the running game, the way they're playing, it feels like it should be. That doesn't mean that it will, but it feels like it should be. And, you know, for Mike Gundy and, and Spencer Sanders, you know, playing an efficient game, that's what they need from him. They need efficiency from Spencer Sanders. And I'm glad they also gave Jalen Warren a blow at running back. He only had nine carries. Good. Don't waste carries on Jalen Warren against Kansas. Don't do it. And they didn't do it yesterday. That was the right play. That was the smart play. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma State obviously is in a very good position right now moving forward. We did get, I will note here before we wrap up the show, we got kickoff times for Saturday. ESPN and Fox were kind of holding those up. And the kickoff times. We got the Sunflower Showdown, Kansas K-State, 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1 this weekend. Oklahoma State, West Virginia at 2.30 on ESPN. Baylor TCU, 2.30 on Big Fox. So Baylor getting the nod after their win over Texas. And then Texas, Iowa State, 6.30 on Fox Sports 1. So here's what happened. Because Texas and Iowa State both lost, that game lost its shine, and they put it at night on FS1. If those teams had both won, those games would have been flip-flopped. Texas-Iowa State would have been on Big Fox at 2.30, and Baylor-TCU would have been on FS1 at 6.30. It did not happen that way, so now you know you got Baylor-TCU on Big Fox at 2.30 on Saturday. Let's see. Do-do-do-do. Uh, Jared, what do we got here? Oklahoma State-West Virginia is going to be a good one. Cowboys better be ready. Don't overlook West Virginia, especially in Morgantown. I made that mistake this past weekend. Don't do it. The Mountaineers are playing better, even if the officiating, yes, was terrible. The Mountaineers are playing much better. Neil Brown deserves a lot of credit, a lot of credit for uh, the turnaround the last couple of weeks. So kudos to him and kudos to that team, too, for not rolling over, which they could have easily have done. They did not do it. Don't forget, if you're on the podcast, leave a rating and a review. On iTunes, you get a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you do that. So please do do that. Then send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, you guys uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Happy Halloween. One more sip. One more sip of the Shiner Oktoberfest, which is very good. Matthew writes, the night game at Jack Trice is going to be fun. Um yeah, I just wish I had more on the line. I Yeah, I mean, it's great, but I wish I had more on both of those teams. All right, Sunday, happy Halloween. We'll talk to you next week. Or we'll talk to you, actually, if you're on the podcast, we'll talk to you on Tuesday on the podcast. So that's why you want to subscribe to the podcast if you're not on the podcast right now. All right there, guys. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.